0: Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corcion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and today we're going to be covering a tough, tough subject on this episode. But let me tell you, even though it's a tough subject, it's essential to talk about. And that is, we're going to be talking about the three letters that strike horror, and fear, and anxiety in tons of Ultra Runners. Um, I'm just kidding. It, I, it's really not that bad. Maybe it is for some people. I understand. But regardless, these are some three letters that no ultra runner wants to hear uh, right after they step onto the start line of a race um, at the end of their day. And that is the three letters of DNF or spelled out is did not finish. And man, these can be some of the three most painful letters you hear um, or have next to your name at the end of a race. And as you all know, when you sign up for a race and you put in so much training you think about this race um, you have it on your mindset as a goal and you get really excited for it so getting a dnf can just absolutely suck i mean it is just not a thing that really anyone wants to you know dive into whether it's their first ultra or their 50th ultra dnfs are really never fun so in this episode i wanted to talk about how to best prepare to prevent those dnfs now to give you some context on my uh background and kind of relationship with dnfs Recently, I technically had a DNF, um, and uh, it wasn't an official race, but it was more of an endurance challenge, and I didn't end up finishing it. And so, to give you some brief context, uh, what the challenge was, was me and my friend Anthony, we were going to uh, summit all 46 high peaks in the Adirondack Wilderness in upstate New York um, within Uh, seven days and that was the whole goal it was going to span about 160 miles with over 40,000 feet of elevation gain so really really brutal and if you've ever been in the Adirondacks man it is like it's not just like climbing up a regular old mountain I mean they're wet they're swampy they're super steep they're really rocky um, quite dangerous and really like some of the trails are pretty unmarked Um, so it's a very very rugged mountain range and um, long story short Um, you know, we were on day two about, you know, a little over 30, 30 ish miles in, and, um, a lot of different things happened, uh, that led me to say, Hey, this is just not, you know, not going the way that I wanted it to, um, we can't be doing this right now. And, you know, essentially, I think physically I could have done it, but just given kind of the situation and where it was at, um, I kind of like missed a quote-unquote time cutoff. And I'll explain more as I kind of talk through um, the different um, tips that I've taken away from this um, as I kind of go through it because I want to really extract what I've learned from this DNF versus all my other races, which I've never actually DNF'd in an official race before, but this was the first time in an endurance challenge where I actually failed it um, and really didn't do it. So what I did was I kind of sat back and I said, okay, like what allowed me to finish these other races, all my other races, and then really caused me to DNF in this race, right? Because there were some things that I did in all those other races that I didn't do for this specific challenge that led to that DNF. So what I did was I kind of went back and you know compiled a list and kind of did my own reflection and analysis and had you know all the things that allowed me to not DNF in the prior races and uh, seeing what was missing that led up to my DNF in this race. So we're going to talk about all the steps that you can take based on my experience um, and what I suggest to really maximize your chances of not getting a DNF. Now I want to give a disclaimer in here DNFs are going to happen Yes, there are some racers with perfect track records. There are some races, some racers that you know don't uh, ever have a DNF under their records. But the reality is sometimes there are going to be things way out of your control. There might be freak accidents. There might be crazy weather. There might be things that you just might never know. Maybe like you come down with a cold or something like that on the, on the day of the race, you never know what's going to happen. And so a DNF is always probable, no matter what the steps that you take. Now that's not to be discouraging. That's not to say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, there's always an ounce of failure in there. And I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I really want to make this disclaimer to say that even if you do, Everything that you can to prevent a DNF there always is still a little possibility in there so I don't I just want to make this disclaimer to say like you know even if you follow all these steps I don't want any of you to follow all these steps and then all of a sudden a DNF happens and you're like well Joe what the fuck like you just totally messed me up here listen. Uh, I I think, you know, if you've been in the sport long enough, you know that there's so much that can go wrong, especially if you're doing a 50 or 100 mile race. I mean, so much. Um, So, you know, but this is going to increase your chances of controlling the controllables so that you don't DNF. Um, assuming that there's no crazy catastrophic thing out of your control that might derail you in, in a race. So wanted to make that disclaimer in there, um, that, you know, DNFs are possible. They will likely happen if you're in the sport for a long enough time. Um, you know, I got my first one, uh, considering this challenge. Let's see a little over three years in the sport. Um, so I made made it three years with that one and uh, just landed my first one. And yeah, it stings, it sucks. Um, but I wanna, you know, I, I've reflected and learned from it and I'm gonna share what I learned with you. Now, you might be listening to this episode and say, hey, I just DNF'd, um, you know, and I wanna learn, you know, how to deal with it and how to improve from it and how to get better from it. And uh, I waited a few weeks to really record this episode because I wanted to have my own experience in that regards before I gave any uh, tips and advice on it, because I think, you know, um, over the past few weeks, I've done tons of reflections and really already applied it into my training and how I'm going to be approaching my next race, which is Havalina 100 um, in October, um, to really help me bounce back and get better and also deal with the mental side of things, right? Like a DNF can just suck mentally, right? You can you know, I mean, like I said before, you put in so much hours training, you put in so much thought into it, you get excited about it. And then all of a sudden, like it can, getting a DNF can just be just so painful. So, so painful. If you're someone like me who just really, really gets excited about, you know, the outcome and everything like that, sometimes it can be super, super painful. Um, so I want to also talk about what to do in case you do DNF as well. Um, so the first part of this episode is going to be all about how to maximize your chances of preventing a DNF in the future in your races. And then the second half of the podcast is going to be what's going to happen or what should you do and what I suggest that you should do if you DNF so you can bounce back harder, faster, stronger than before and ultimately get right back on the path and not letting it uh, drag you down. So feel free to fast forward in the beginning of the episode if you want to listen to the tips on how to deal with the DNF first. Uh, But right now we're going to dive into the subject of uh, preventing a DNF or maximizing your chances to preventing a DNF based on my experience uh, of what went wrong during my event And so we're going to get to tip number one Tip number one actually comes From uh, one of my favorite movie characters of all time Han Solo So if you're familiar with Star Wars uh, at all uh, Like I am I'm a huge Star Wars fan There's a scene where uh, in A New Hope So the first Star Wars movie ever created Where Luke is just On the Millennium Falcon and he's shooting some ships down and he he actually shoots an enemy ship down and he's super excited he gets it for the first time and Han Solo just goes that's great kid don't get cocky and that is the first tip on here and that is do not get cocky now what do I mean by that Um, I think it can be easy you know when you um, I, I think it's easier really to map to not DNF in your first few races than it is to DNF. And the reason why I say that is because for most people when they sign up for, you know, their very first ultra, they're going to be very, very meticulous about how they deal with it. And what I mean by that is like, they're going to be probably more dialed in on training. They're going to be a little bit more concerned about a DNF. It's a new territory. Now, that's not my, maybe not apply to everybody, but, um, in in most of the cases that I've seen is like, you know, you're, you're like in uncharted territory. So you're naturally going to do a little bit more research. You're going to prepare a little more. You're going to really go all out in this race and like, give it your absolutely all and kind of have this like killer, like I can't stop mentality. Um, and so, you know, you're going to take those extra precautions to really know as much as you can about that race. Now what happened with... And that was the case with me when I first started in the Ultra world. Like, I was, like, so, so just locked in on every single race and Ultra that I did. And I was like, I'm not gonna fail these things at all. And so... I took all the steps, um, which I'll kind of get into, into, um, you know, the, the next few parts of this episode to really just talk about those key things to do that helped me to prevent a DNF. But I would take those steps. Whereas in the future, once I got a little bit more races under my belt, more experience running and everything like that, I started to not pay attention to those things as much. And I started to overestimate my ability that much. Now it's not to say that I should, you know, underestimate my ability or really like sell myself short but in the end of the day sometimes we overlook the things that might be you know worth looking at in a race because we think you know, Hey, I've done a hundred miles before. Hey, I've done a 50 miler before. Hey, I've done a hundred K before. So I don't really need to, you know, train too much for this race. I don't need to do, you know, look too much into the course. Like I'm good, man. Like this is great. In my scenario with this Adirondack race, what I did was I quite frankly got cocky. So what happened was, I've already been putting in tons of mileage for Javelina 100. And when this challenge came onto my plate, I just saw this as, you know, it was like, oh, you know, 160 miles over seven days, 40k in a game. Like, how bad can it be? Like, I've done a 100-mile race before in one day with a decent amount of gain, you know, spreading it over seven days. That should be totally fine. It should be totally good. I don't have to worry about it. I'm good. Now, the problem was uh, I didn't do some of the things that, uh, I'm going to mention in terms of you know what you can do to maximize your probability of not getting a DNF because I didn't think about any of those things. I thought this was going to be a walk in the park based on my prior experience and I ended up getting slapped in the face when it came to the actual challenge and I realized that I... Was not prepared enough physically I was but I really wasn't prepared for the course which we're going to talk about I wasn't prepared for the logistics. I wasn't prepared for um, You know, how brutal the mountains were going to be Um, and I just totally just overlooked those things and I think sometimes when you can when you get all that experience under your belt It can make it easy to Overlook all those things that are important that you would normally look at that would help you to not DNF in the future So you kind of go in a little bit of blind based on, you know, a little bit of cockiness. So one thing I always suggest is like treat, you know, each race as if, you know, it is a new thing for you. Um, Now maybe you've raced the course before and that's totally different, but if it's a new course, even if it's in like the same kind of location, the same kind of terrain that you're in, like look into it. And that brings me to my next point, which is know the course and practice the course. That's, that's number two. So number one is don't get cocky, right? It starts with the mindset because if you're cocky, you're going to say, Hey Joe, all this other stuff that you're saying is bullshit. Like whatever. I got this, like, you know, I've ran a hundred miles before, like, I don't need to know about this. Like, that's how you set yourself up for failure that's how i set myself up for failure um so so just make sure just to keep that mindset a little bit and it's not that you're undermining yourself it's just that you're being a little bit more prepared and it's fine to be prepared like one of my favorite quotes all the time is like you uh you you fail to prepare you prepare to fail and so that's the thing with ultras you you have to go into them prepare them there are some people who can just send 100 milers i understand that but for the most part like it's really really not wise to do that right so don't get cocky follow through on the preparation and that really starts with number two is knowing the course and practicing the course right every single ultra is different there is no one size fits all to an ultra, right? So yeah, sure, right, there's 100 milers out there and there's many different 100 milers, but Javelina 100, 100 miler, is way different than the Zion 100 miler. And the Zion 100 miler is way different than Leadville 100. And Leadville 100 is way different than Rocky Raccoon 100. Everything is so different. And that's mostly because they're all in different courses in different terrains with different elevation profiles and different temperatures. There's so many different variables. And when you spread over those variables over 100 miles, Man, I mean like the the effects that those can have can really really stack up. So, I suggest anytime that you are signed up for a race, whether it's a 100-miler, 50-miler, 50k, or even anything under a 50k, right? Know the course. Because if you know the course, you can prepare for the things in advance, right? So, what does knowing the course means? Like firstly, it's, you know, understanding the elevation profile, right? Because you know you can see a race and you know it's like six thousand feet of gain but if all that gain is in concentrated into one area in the race your training is going to look a lot different than if that gain is just continuous rolling hills all around right because that one like steep hike you're gonna need to have your legs and leg power on whereas like you could totally fry yourself out if you're just you know bombing those straights and flats and then all of a sudden you got to hike up and you haven't worked on your hiking skills and tired legs so knowing the 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 course profile in terms of elevation is huge almost every single pretty much every single race for the most part will give you an elevation uh profile where you can see exactly where the peaks and the troughs are um how the elevation is distributed what the total elevation gain is and understanding that's going to help you to understand you know what you're going to expect during the race because sometimes right like I mean, you want to understand these things because you want to learn how to train them. But sometimes even just the unexpected can really screw with your mind. And that can really just weaken kind of like your mental acuity when it comes into it, right? Like, I mean, we hate like unexpected things that pop up regardless. If you're at mile 70 and you're not expecting like this giant ass climb up a mountain, and then all of a sudden like you're you're broken, like you're feeling like you're hurting, like whatever that might be, and then all of a sudden you got to summit a mountain. That like mentally can be taxing if you're not understanding that's coming up. So just knowing that course profile is going to be huge. The second thing is understand the terrain. Is it rocky? Is it wet? Is there sticks everywhere? Is it flat? Like understanding the terrain is going to be huge. In my regards with the Adirondack Mountains, what I thought each of the mountains were going to be, we're going to be a pretty well-groomed trail up to each of the 46 peaks. Boy, could I not be even more fucking wrong than that. When we were out there in the Adirondack uh, Challenge, I mean, there were some steep, like, near, like, you know, 90 degree climbs that we were doing up, scaling, you know, slick rock formation that was, like, you know, really causing us to be on all fours, and there was slipping action because there was so much mud everywhere, and it was really dangerous, and it was really sketchy extremely wet and i had no idea any of these circumstances you know i live out here in arizona where it's very dry and so like me not even knowing it was going to be wet um really didn't allow me to, to even prepare for it as much as i could out here in arizona and so like the unexpected factor plus me not being trained for it and me not being aware for it just really compiled on mentally and it just was super super sketchy so Um, In terms of that you know you really want to know the course and practice the course uh, or you know know the course and practice the course for what it is and I think you know understanding what that terrain is going to be like is going to be huge in there so again you want to check the elevation profile and you want to check what the course is like. The third thing is the temperature. Now the temperature didn't screw me up too much in in the Adirondacks, because it's a million degrees here in Arizona, it's way cooler there. So and I knew that was going to be the case. So um, and I actually grew up in New York. So I, I'm definitely fairly familiar with that temperature. But sometimes, you know, it, it can be tough to understand like Javelina 100 is a great example. I mean, it's out here in late October in Arizona. And usually a lot of people think because it's like relatively cooler in a lot of places in late October, um, that it's going to be like pretty warm, like, you know, not so hot, but it's going to be warm here and there. Sometimes at Haveline 100, it can get hot. It can get like 90 degrees hot. Like I think one year it was like 95 or something like that. And that just absolutely destroys people. So just understanding the weather that you're going to get is going to be huge as well. Now, Let me just tell you another story with knowing the course and practicing the course like for me because I wasn't prepared enough for things to be wet and rocky and everything like that. There was actually a time where um, I was careless enough and just kind of walked on a rock and I actually slipped on a rock and uh, fell down a waterfall. And um, that really was the catalyst that led to my decision for a DNF was because I just saw that was so dangerous um, and I didn't want to risk getting hurt for uh, Javelina 100 but I probably could have avoided the slip and I probably could have avoided you know the mental uh, skittishness that I had kind of like scaling all these rocks and everything if I knew well in advance that it was going to be like this and so um, knowing the course and practicing the course is definitely one of my biggest things to have in there Um, so definitely have that on well number three know your cutoff times So sometimes you can like give it your all in a race, you can know the course and practice the course, you understand the terrain, you've trained for it as well, but you're always the whim of cutoff times. So sometimes I've seen people, you know, they don't have like a good pace, uh, you know, strategy because they just think like, oh, you know, I'll go out there and kind of make it happen. But if you don't know the cutoff times, it's going to be tough, especially like let's just say you take a fall or you know something happens with your stomach and you start moving slower than usual and you don't know what those cutoff times are, you're really flirting with disaster out there. So I think knowing your cutoff times and giving yourself a minimal pace to move at is going to be super crucial for you because then you'll know, like you'll look down at your watch and be like, ooh. I gotta get a little moving here. You might be more inclined to push yourself a little bit than if you weren't before. So many times I've heard people, you know, saying, hey, I DNF because I got a cutoff and I didn't really understand the cutoff times. It's it's one thing that's easy to overlook. Again, especially if you've been in a race and you know your abilities. Now it's not if you're worried about the cutoff time, I shouldn't say you should worry about the cutoff times, especially if you're a good athlete. But it's always good to keep them in the back of your mind because, again, there's so many things out of your control that could happen that could slow you down and uh, you want to be sure that if those things come up and then for whatever reason, if they do hold you back, you want to be able to make sure that you can still make those cutoff times and hustle when necessary. Like for me, even going to this Adirondack challenge, although there was no like hard times, um, I got to New York on a certain date and I had a plane ticket booked back for a certain date. So I could only do the challenge within certain um Uh, certain days now on that uh, first day we made great time but on the second day we were way behind schedule and I honestly didn't even know like I didn't even have an idea of like what pace that we were going to do or anything I knew that we were supposed to do 30 miles on that day and I was like 30 miles dang like easy like we should get this done you know in less than 12 hours hiking through this a lot like we should be good and man like that shit took us like nearly like 17 18 hours because we had all this crazy shit that happened that just held us back right me slipping in the waterfall we had to bushwhack that just took way way longer than expected um we rerouted a couple times it added on some time on there and uh because of all that like we just did not there was no possible way for us to even, you know, bounce back after that first day to get all of the um, peaks in that certain amount of time. But I didn't even know, you know, essentially what our minimum pace had to be in order to successfully do all this, so I can get all the peaks beforehand. So knowing your cutoff times is huge. So really quickly, just to recap those first three tips to maximize your chance of preventing a DNF. Number one, don't get cocky. Number two, know the course and practice the course. That means knowing the terrain, knowing the uh, elevation profile, and then also knowing the um, the uh, the temperature that's going to happen on there. Also, number three, knowing your cutoff times. And then number four, probably the biggest cause of DNF, I should say probably, I actually saw stat once that the number one cause of DNF is because people don't get this thing right and that is nutrition so the number one cause of dnfs in races is actually like an upset stomach and gastrointestinal issues and the reason why that is is because sometimes you know we either don't have a good nutrition strategy in place or Maybe we get sloppy with our nutrition and we try that extra tasty thing at the aid station that you know we've never tried before on a run. Or maybe like we start uh, consuming food, the same exact food over the while that uh, you know we've only done it for four hour runs, but now we're out there for nine hours and we don't know how our stomach's gonna react or if we're even gonna enjoy taking it down. Therefore, are we gonna skip eating it or anything like that? P.S. everyone, I'm speaking from personal experience here. So when I say we, I mean really me, because I've fucked these things up in the past, and man, does it suck, but let me tell you this, there's some people who are very lucky and blessed who have not had stomach issues out on a race, Um, and if you're one of them, Godspeed to you, my friend. For me, I've had them on nearly every single ultra and I'm still trying to figure that out. I've never had it bed to the point where, you know, I've had to drop out or even thought about dropping out or anything like that. But man, like let me tell you, I can see why people drop out due to stomach issues. It is like horrible. I think having a upset stomach during a race is way worse than having like super shot legs during a race. Um, like I finished um, I finished a marathon and an Ironman with an awful knee injury i mean it was terrible terrible knee injury like one of the worst injuries i've ever had and uh, i've also finished my first 50 miler with like um with, with some stomach pain and like honestly like this this stomach pain like rivaled definitely the pushing through the marathon for for pain like i'm not even kidding so you know, you really want to get your nutrition down before race day. And that means being able to test the foods that you're going to have, test the foods that are going to be at the aid station, make sure they sit well in your stomach, um, test them on your long runs way beforehand, and then don't try anything new on race day. Like that's like the big thing, like trying anything new on race day. I mean, you can go ahead and risk it for the biscuit, but Man, that's like a recipe disaster, and it's fucked me up more times than I can count. Um, because those Swedish fish look damn good, even though I've never tried them on a run before. And I put them down, and then all of a sudden I'm regretting it. Like an hour later, like don't try anything new on race day. Test everything beforehand. I suggest going out on your long runs, testing out the nutrition, making sure that it like it sits in your stomach well, making sure that it digests well, making sure that you know you don't get the runs. Right, sometimes people can't handle caffeine out there because you know it makes them poop. Um, And running with the runner's trots just absolutely blows. You can prevent most GI issues by just testing your nutrition before race day. Now it's always an active process. Every single person's different. I can't give a one size fits all strategy, but I do have a nutrition episode that kind of covers my suggestions, what I'm currently doing in my training. And uh, I can link that in the show notes if you're interested in listening to it, but just know Test your nutrition before race day. Um, that's what I'm going to say about that um, because, man, you don't want to just wing it because that is a recipe for the three-letter monster of a DNF. What's up, everybody? I wanted to take a quick second here just to say because I just mentioned nutrition and hydration being such an important factor when really coming up with the strategy to avoid DNFing in your next race. I thought it'd be a perfect time to talk about our sponsor of the show, Prepped Hydration, which is basically one of the most powerful products that I've used in my training to really help to dial in my hydration strategy. And I liked them so much that I actually reached out to them for a sponsorship. um, And they didn't, you know, approach me and, you know, tell me to to talk about it on the podcast or anything. Um, I actually really, really liked the product after I started trying it in my training. And it's helped me to get so dialed in on my hydration, helps me to retain my fluids, helps my stomach to feel great, and ultimately helps me perform better, um, which has been just monumental. Mental in my training. So if you're looking for an amazing hydration product, uh, you can check out Prepped Hydration, that's P-R-E-P-D hydration, and you can go to the link in the bio and get a 10% discount with the code JO10JOE10 J-O-E-10, by going to their website with the link in the show notes and picking out either their prime or their recover product um, at any one-time purchase, and you'll get 10% off your order. Try this stuff out, it's incredible. It's been a game changer in my training, it's allowed me to be so hydrated. And I'm hoping uh, that it'll do the same for you. So highly recommend you try that out. Shout out to Prepped. They are amazing. And uh, yeah, let's get right back into the episode and hope you try out the product. So those are the four tips that I have to maximize your chances to prevent a DNF, which is number one, don't get too cocky. Number two, know the course and practice the course. Uh, Number three, know your cutoff times. And four, test your nutrition before race day. One little caveat, I know I said know the course and practice the course. I understand, like, more times than not, you're not going to be able to practice that course that you're going to be racing on. I mean more practice the elements of the course, right? If you're going to be practicing, you know, uh, some muddy terrain, find some muddy trails. If you don't have access to muddy trails, like, try, like, soaking your feet, um in water or something before like you running, like you want to just get yourself adapted to the conditions as best as you can in the most, um, you know, realistic way as possible, just so you're not surprised on race day because surprising can just be a mental, mental bitch. And it's, it could really, really stink to, you know, get the unexpected in there. Okay. So those are all the things I suggest to maximize your chances of preventing a DNF. Now for the second, uh, second half of this episode, Um, this is going to be what to do after a DNF. So, you know, like I said before, in the beginning of the episode, getting a DNF can just really suck. It can be so painful mentally. It can just be just total drag I mean it's just like a total buzzkill because you have so much hype and anticipation going into event and then to come up short and get in that DNF it can really really be painful especially when you told so many people that you were going to do this and you were excited about it maybe you posted on Instagram and then all of a sudden you're like oh god now I gotta tell people that I dnf I gotta like people are gonna ask me how the race was and I'm gonna have to keep saying oh I DNF'd I DNF'd like it's not easy and when I f- didn't finish this um this challenge like I knew in the moment that I made the right decision to, to not do this thing. But let me tell you when my eyes opened up the next morning, like the first thing I felt was like this, this, this pain and like, not, not like physical pain, but like mental pain of like, ah, fuck, like that sucks. Like I just, damn, like, I I can't believe I DNF that. And it was a really hard pill for me to swallow for five days and it was a hard pill for me to explain on Instagram and it was a hard pill for me to keep talking about and everything like that. And, you know, you can totally slide into this place of like starting to see that DNF as a reflection of you, Um, which is definitely my first tip is don't see that dnf as a reflection of you see that as a data point to get better okay so see it as a data point to get better right because a lot of us can tie our identity up in the dnf right and saying like oh i'm a loser i suck i'm not good like blah 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 and you know what? That's just not the productive way to look at it. Now, if it is, maybe because you're not good enough at, you know, running hills or, you know, you, uh, maybe didn't, uh, weren't well-trained enough. Like, is that a reflection on you? Maybe. But then instead of just saying, Hey, I'm, you know, not good at this thing, period. I always say add a yet to it. So what I mean is if you say, Hey, I'm not good at running hills. I want you to say, I'm not good at running hills yet. Because if you add the yet in there, what it's going to do is it unlocks the possibility and the belief that it's like, hey, I can get better at this thing, which is freaking true. Because a lot of times when we get a DNFs or we fail at anything in life, we think that like, oh, I failed at this thing because I suck at this thing and I can't get good at this thing. And this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life, which is not fucking true at all. Because you can learn how to get better at anything. And when you really like don't identify yourself at where you're at, right now and you identify yourself with who you can be in the future based on the learnings that you've had from your failure that's how you can really move forward and detach yourself from the identity within that dnf right so just because your dnf doesn't mean you're a loser it might mean you're not good at things yet but it's yet right you're not going to be not good at those things forever if you take the time to reflect on the loss, which is basically, you know, the the second kind of point that comes into it. The first thing is don't identify it with it. But the second thing is reflecting on the loss. And that is really just, you know, the, the common and probably one of the most cliche personal development things is learning from failure. Right. And there's a reason why it's so cliche. It's because, man, it's fucking true. Like failure is the most information rich thing that you can ever ever experience in your life that is because you literally went out and you tried something and you got a result and that result wasn't something that you wanted so therefore what you did or something that happened um, can be changed in order to get a different result in the future and you literally just proved an experiment by putting it out in the real world and seeing what happened so reflecting on the loss and what you can do differently is so so fucking important because today's failure is tomorrow's success i truly truly believe that because if you can learn all the things that you did wrong in that failure and then apply it uh, or apply, you know, your training differently or, you know, take a different food that, you know, is going to uh, like really, really be better on your stomach than one that maybe fucked you up during your first DNF or, you know, maybe you start practicing hills a little bit more to get better at your uphill running or maybe you uh, prevent your blisters a lot better, right? Like whatever that is, like learning what went wrong in the first one allows you to prevent that thing in the second one. It's saying, hey, listen, like this is something you didn't know but now you know, so go ahead and prevent it for the future. I always think about it as this one formula when I talk about failure, and this can be DNF too, or anything in life. And it's a formula that I learned from Ray Dalio, who is the author of the book Principles, founder of Bridgewater Associates, the most successful hedge fund in probably money management history, overall just amazing, uh, amazing guy and amazing, um, you know, just very, very wise guy. But he has a formula that he says led to a lot of success in his life. And that is pain plus reflection equals progress. There's the pain of failure. And then when you can take that reflection and reflect on the pain, then the progress is made because now you can apply what you learned into that failure to be better in the future. Now, what does that look like in a practical sense? Really, all it is is you know opening up a notebook or opening up a Google Doc or opening up you know your phone's note page, whatever that is, and just asking yourself a few questions. Number one, what went wrong? Okay, what went wrong? Number two, what were things that maybe I didn't even think about that happened in the race? Number three what can I do better next time? Right. It's, it's asking yourself these questions and just writing down these answers as they come up and they can just be a brainstorm. They can just be a word vomit, but ask yourself these questions and just kind of these reflective questions on the race and then jot down your answers. Now don't just jot down the answers without doing the next step here, which is saying, okay, how can I apply this into my training in the future? right? So for example, if you said, Hey, like I got absolutely crushed on the uphills. Okay. I know in my next race that I'm going to have to train better on my uphills. I'm going to need to do more hill intervals. I'm going to need to climb more mountains. I'm going to need to maybe uh, do some strength training to, to boost it up my quads and glutes, right? There's things like that. Oh, my stomach went wrong. That was the thing that wrong. How can I apply this to my training in the future? I need to try out some new foods. I need to, you know, maybe eat more often. I need to maybe hydrate a little bit more. I need to do all these things, right? Because you can understand what you did wrong, but Unless you really reflect on it and take the action on it, that's the only way that you go and make progress going forward. So you have to really reflect on the loss and take action on the items that didn't happen. For me, when I was on the flight back home from uh, this whole New York thing, I took out my phone, I listed out all the things that went wrong and all the things I was going to do going forward, um, which really ended up being all the stuff that I explained to that first part of the episode, which how to prevent a DNF. Um, And so basically I just wrote it all out. And then I said, hey, hey, here's what I'm gonna do to apply this into my future training, right? So for Javelina, even though, you know, I'm out here in Arizona, I'm familiar with the heat, I was gonna get so, so in tune with the course. I was gonna run it more often. I was gonna look at the elevation profile. I was going to understand the range of temperatures that I can have on that day. I was gonna understand the aid stations, what's gonna be like really just dialing into that so that I prevented the DNF and taking action on that. Taking action on those items to get better in there. So that's kind of be your next step on there So, you know number one don't identify yourself in the DNF number two reflect on the loss and then number three Devise a plan and taking action on the items that didn't happen because again You can totally understand what went wrong But unless you actually make the critical action steps going forward to prevent those things from happening from going forward really identifying the problem doesn't matter at all. So you want to be able to apply it and then put it into your training. Now, two last uh quick tips. Number the really I should have probably started with this tip, but it's really really important to say it's it's a totally okay to be bummed out or angry or pissed off or sad about a DNF, right? Like don't just sit there and then just like try and bottle up the feeling of, you know, disappointment that you may have in a DNF, like that's not productive like from a mental health perspective you don't want to like just you know put this toxic positivity thing on the dnf and just be like oh like it's fine like it's great like i'm happy with this decision if like you're really pissed off about it like feel pissed off if you're upset by it be upset by it it's okay just don't live there for so long, right? Like it's okay to feel those things, but at a certain point, you know, you can't, if you let yourself spiral into that hole a little too long, that's where it kind of just like leaves into that place where you identify a little bit too much with it and you want to get it out. So definitely feel the loss, feel the pain, let yourself feel the emotions, but then take a productive eye towards it and see what you can do in the future. Again, by asking those questions, coming up with the action plan to help you do it. But you know, don't just mass these toxic positivity things over it being like, oh, I'm happy with my decision when, you know, and if you are happy with the decision, great. Like, just feel whatever you're authentically feeling about it is basically the whole point of this, right? So allow yourself to feel those feelings, but don't stay in them for too long because sometimes, you know, it ends up not being productive. And then the last tip here is probably my favorite tip and probably the one that has been the, you know, result of so many great amazing stories and not just ultra running but sports and that is plan for redemption right we all want redemption now what does redemption mean right it can mean whatever that means to you now the most classic thing of redemption when we fail at something is going back and doing that same exact thing and conquering it again but sometimes that might not be possible sometimes that might not be you know something that you want to do again Um, sometimes it just might not align with where your life is going and that's totally fine redemption doesn't have to be going back and doing the exact thing. It can be setting a new goal for another 100 miler and conquering that one. It could just be setting another goal and conquering that goal. It could just be, you know, focusing on the things that maybe you failed at and just getting better for it overall in the next race. It doesn't have to be exactly going back and crushing that same race. So, whatever that redemption is, just plan to redeem yourself and see it as kind of like this hero's journey, right? This hero's journey where you went through and you go through this huge struggle, right? I mean it's like the antithesis of every single great movie Right with Rocky like he You know he, he gets his ass Absolutely beat in the first movie right um, But then in the second movie he comes back And he wins the championship and he beats Apollo Creed and he gets it done right it's Just incredible like with uh, you Know uh, w- with Star Wars right like Luke goes through this journey Of becoming a Jedi and like you know he, he goes through his training with Yoda And then you know in the end of the day like Darth Vader has him on the ropes and then at the end Of the, in, you know it looks like Darth Vader is gonna win but then in the end in uh return of the jedi he actually is successful in converting his father back into the light side before he dies right so it's all a great arc for everything and like even let's just talk ultra running like let's stop talking movies here jim walmsley failed western states 100 two times before he went on to win it three years in a row right so the first year he took that infamous wrong turn when he was like well on his pace to win the second year he dnf'd and then that third year he won it and then he won it two more times breaking the course record twice which is just absolutely amazing so and that's just awesome right and so you got to like think about that and just think about like to yourself i always tell myself like what's my redemption story going to be like what's your redemption story going to be like for me with this adirondack challenge like My redemption story is going to be going out and really, really performing well at Havelina 100. Like, that's going to be my redemption. Now, am I going to go back and do the Adirondack Challenge? Yes. But it's probably going to be a couple years before I do so because next year, uh, you know, if things go well at Havelina, I'll be either at Western States or I might do. I really want to focus on a race next year or a few races next year as opposed to this challenge. But... I know that in the future I'll get my redemption, but for now, my redemption is going to be doing well at Halloween 100, which is different than the actual challenge. And so when you talk about redemption, I don't want you to just get married of the idea of like, I'm going to go back and do that. Because if you don't want to do it, or maybe it doesn't work logistically or anything like that, that's totally fine. Find out what your redemption is. Picture how awesome it's going to be, like how awesome your movie is going to be, how awesome, you know, your Jim Walmsley moment is going to be, like whatever that is for you. And that's going to give you motivation to get back on track and really, really go forward and hammer it. So to reflect on all of the things, which is reflect, to use that word again, is one of the tips. But to really, um, again, recap all of the things of what to do after a DNF of what I suggest to keep yourself going and how to deal with it better, how to learn from it, and ultimately how to become a better athlete from it is, number one, uh, reflect on the loss. And then write the things that you can do to do better on it, right? Like that's like the biggest, biggest thing by it. Uh, Number three is, you know, it's totally okay to be bummed out by it. So make sure you feel your feelings and whatever you're authentically feeling in the moment, make sure you're feeling it and really lean into it and use it, right? And then lastly, plan for redemption. Again, it doesn't mean just going back and completing that same challenge. Redemption can mean anything for you. Write your own story. Make your Jim Walmsley moment and shine out in there. And those DNFs will never hold you down. All right, my friends hoping this episode was super useful for you and that this helps you to prevent that next dnf or maybe get past and conquer that current dnf you're dealing with whatever it is i hope this was helpful for you um, in your ultra running journey because again dnfs are a natural part of the sport and you know there's a very high chance that all of us will likely face it at least one time, you know, in our ultra running careers. So I felt compelled to share this episode based on my experience and everything. I'm feeling good right now. You know, yes, the the week after definitely sucked for sure. But, um, you know, after taking all these steps, it's really helped me to get back on track with training. Haven't missed a day yet. I feel confident as ever and uh, just getting ready for Javelina 100. So I'm hoping this does the same for you, whether that's preventing a DNF or helping you get through one and uh, know that I'm always here to support you all. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm wishing you all the best of success as you're training for your next race. You have any suggestions for topics or guests or anything that you want to hear on this podcast? Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at Joe Corcion. I'll be more than happy to help and provide whatever value comes or whatever value that you want to help you on your ultra running journey. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I'll see you on the next one. And remember, be a better ultra runner every single day. Take care, my friends.